Welcome to Stories Told by Friends. I got drafted by Calgary St. Peter's initially, and I went to a training camp back to the Huskies, went to another training camp. Kind of hung in there uh, pretty well until the end of the exhibition season got cut. But anyway, I had pretty much given up on any sort of uh, chance in the CFL, and then I got a call from uh, Toronto. So I got a chance to go down there on, I think it was a 14-day trial at the time. My friend Daryl dropped by to share some stories of his playing days in the Canadian Football League after an outstanding career as a linebacker with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. Here's his story. Daryl, nice to see you. Welcome. Good to have you here on this snowy day. Thank you, Dave. It's uh, an honor to be uh, to be here and to be included in your uh, in your project here. Wow, that's excited. great. Yeah, I really do appreciate you contributing a story. I thought you'd show up today in the Saskatchewan attire for a snowy April day, which is a toque, mitts, uh, downfill, and shorts. And shorts. Yeah, yeah. no, I've been. Uh, that's uh, way past that stage in my, <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Um, so, as we get started, is there anything you'd like to say to introduce yourself? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't often think about introducing myself other than I guess I am, uh, as we just spoke about, a retired teacher and finally living the life of a retired teacher. And it's, and, and I suppose a, um, an aspiring musician trying to play music to keep myself uh, going and sane. And, and, uh, that's sort of it. That's a little bit of an understatement, I guess, aspiring, <laughs> since you've had a few uh, releases and uh, and we've played one of them on a yes, previous I podcast. Yes, I'm very, very so. pleased to hear that. Yeah. Good which, old Gaylene. Yeah, which you still haven't been paid for. Uh, the royalties will come. The checks in the mail. Yeah, I definitely. And I, and I did think about my heading into a post-teaching career thinking the most natural thing for me to do is probably to become a hypnotist given the number of students I put sound asleep <laughs> over you know 25 years or so watch their heads drop and uh, but we'll see how that goes too well this will be great I'll, <clears throat> I'll, I'll put out uh, that this is a great bedtime yes. uh, podcast <laughs> for people struggling with uh, any kind of sleep problems Okay, well, I'm um, looking forward to hearing the story today. I do appreciate you taking part. You've always been a loyal neighbor and friend, and so you've helped me out with uh, various things, like lending me a truck to, uh, to <laughs> yes. transport my father when we were do it, uh, yes. doing the do-it-yourself funeral service. Yeah. And uh, co-coaching and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, frosh, basketball, etc. So. Yeah, well, we spent a lot of time together and told a lot of stories uh, back then. I, I was wondering whether, you know, around one of the backyard fires, this is a story that I had heard before, but you haven't given me any hints, which I love, and so I'll be surprised, and so I'm looking forward to hearing it. Well, I had two sort of options in my in thinking about uh, what story to tell, whether it be sort of in the music world or in the sports world, and, and uh, I ended up kind of gravitating to sports and football because that was such a big part of my life for so many years and thinking that when I stopped coaching last whatever two three years ago that there were like 41 September long weekends in a row that I was occupied uh, with football and uh, so I, I, I guess I decided I'd go with that route with the story yeah all right well I'll uh, without further ado okay you're on well, as I said, I, I, uh, football has um, become such a 
had become such a big part of my life right from uh, about 1976, I guess, when I started playing with the Huskies. And then I started coaching um, after that in the early 80s, uh, way back when, and then right up until like about three years ago when I when I stopped coaching. But there's that period in between when I played with the Huskies um, and then when I started coaching with them that I had this little cup of coffee in the, in the CFL. So that's kind of where I'm going with this story. And and I, I hope you believe me because I, I know that you have the board game of the 1980 Toronto Argonauts somewhere. I do. And yes. that was the year that I played with them, but I didn't appear in the board game. So I need to convince you that I was in fact there, even though I must have missed that part of the season because I wasn't there all year. I ended, I started, I got drafted by Calgary Stampeders initially, and I went to a training camp back to the Huskies, went to another training camp. Kind of hung in there uh, pretty well until the end of the exhibition season got cut. Um, it just I hadn't thought of this until now that when I got cut initially from the Calgary Stampeders, um, they told me it was Jack Goda was the head coach and general manager, and he said we're gonna we're gonna cut you. Um, like to bring you back next year, same thing. So I packed up, went home, <clears throat> and the next day I read in the Calgary paper that uh, I've been suspended for not failing to show up at practice so he told me they cut me I, I probably didn't know enough that I'm supposed to sign something or I don't know I can't even I can't remember but by suspending me they kept my my rights for the following year oh wow because I just didn't show up yeah yeah I was somewhere near Kindersley I suppose at the time ended up back in um with the city of Saskatoon Parks Department uh, and the McDonald's Slow Pitch uh, team was my, <laughs> those are the two things I'd go on then. And I figured that it was pretty much a done deal. I was, uh, I had, I had given up, uh, I, I had, a, had learned that it's not very glamorous. Um, I still got a check at home uh, from the Stampeders for $21 for one week's work, three bucks a day. We got paid. <laughs> Uh, and I remember standing in the field looking up at the people who were sweeping off the uh, the stadium, the bleachers, thinking that guy is probably making more an hour than I'm making a week. Um, not that I would have. Well, there might have been times when I would have traded in places. But but anyway, I had pretty much given up on any sort of uh, chance in the CFL. And then I got a call from uh, Toronto. So I got a chance to go down there on, I think it was a 14-day trial at the time. And um, everything went pretty well. I was there. It was a, it was a revolving door of players for Toronto at the time. Um, players in and out, uh, coming and going. And uh, but I again hung in there and got through this fourteen day trial. And and then I then nothing happened. I was waiting, wondering, um, what are you going to do with me? And so I, I went and I talked to the coach and he and his advice to me this is coached by the way was <clears throat> named Willie Wood and if you're an old-time NFL historian he was a member of the Green Bay Packers with Lombardi and and I think he is um, on the all-time great NFL team like all-time really? yeah wow. so he was a legendary player 
And as legendary and good he was as a player, he was at the other end of the extreme as a coach. He was what didn't do very well as a coach. But he had the uh, Lombardi mentality of just working the crap out of you and doing these grass drill up downs, you know, by the hundreds, literally. And but anyway, I went to see him and his advice to me was don't talk to anybody. That was it. So, um, well, I'd come off the field and someone would stick a microphone and say, hey, who are you? What are you doing? I've got a meeting. Got to go. This went on for, again, another, I don't know, week or two, I suppose. So finally, I got to the point where um, I just needed to know. what do you, I mean, I was still being looked after and they were paying me a bit of money. And and I guess that's at that time, that would have been called a taxi squad, right? That was back in the day. Now they have practice squads and it's more up and up and up, but I would have been on the unofficial taxi squad. When I went to see the general manager, he wasn't there. So he had been, he was on a recruiting mission or something. So I went in to see, uh, the head coach, Willie Wood, that, you know, coach, my, my, um, trial period's over. I've been here for a couple extra weeks. Uh, have you decided what you're going to do? Uh, and he said, Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to let you go. And, uh, we'd like to bring you back next year for training camp, but, um, we're going to, we're going to, you know, cut you, let you go. And I kind of wasn't totally surprised. I, of course, I'd have been disappointed, but I mean, the way things were going, I was getting used to being, <laughs> getting sent home. Um, so I went back and they said, just go to the office. Uh, they'll get you a plane ticket. Um, and then we'll send you a contract in the mail because the, uh, the GM's not here. So I went to the office. They made out a plane ticket for him. I went into my locker, packed up uh, all my belongings, and I'm heading out. The, this was the old Exhibition Stadium, oh, if yeah, you remember right. the yeah. pre-Skydome days. And uh, um, I can still see the the hallway, you know, the light at the end of the – you're walking out the hallway, and it's big bright, bright blue sky out. And I'm <laughs> – trudging along with my bag and the linebacker coach happens to come around the corner and he looks at me and he goes, Brickle, where are you going? And I said, well, coach, I'm going home. Uh, Willie just cut me. And he said, he what? And I said, yeah, he just, I got my plane ticket. I'm going home. And this is the part where maybe the, the, the political, uh, Culture was a little bit different then than it would be now and not quite as as uh, politically correct to say it. And he goes, he cut you? That idiot? He cut the wrong white Canadian. <laughs> what do you mean? He cut the wrong Canadian with the wrong white boy, I think is what he said. Cut the wrong white boy. And I, he said, get back in there. You're playing tomorrow. So, <laughs> all right. So, from going from um, pretty, you know, I was heading home and I was going back to my job with the city or whatever. And uh, the next, so I go back in, unpack. He sorts it out with the coach. Next day, I'm on a bus to uh, to Hamilton. We played the against the Tiger Cats, and I'm sitting beside Danny Bass. Remember Danny yeah, Bass? He for was sure. Edmonton, but he started out in Toronto. He yeah. was a linebacker. He, that he does appear in the game. Oh, yeah. yeah, he does. Appear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of great players, uh, Terry Greer and guys like that. But uh, but yeah, that line uh, sort of resonated. He cut the wrong white boy and uh, or white Canadian boy, I think is what it was. Uh, one of the things Danny Bass had, 
had uh, we were sort of chatting away on the it, we it was like a high school football game where you get dressed right. at, at home, jump on a bus and drive to the stadium because it's only like a whatever forty minute drive from to to Hamilton to ever win, and then you'd go in and get put the rest of your equipment on and and uh, he he said to me, um, put your helmet on, and I went why and he said just put your helmet on, so when we're getting off the bus. And uh, then I could see why, because you had to walk under these sort of bleacher seats to get into our dressing room. And the Hamilton fans, of course, the hatred of the Argos was just palpable. And they were throwing, throwing stuff, batteries, rocks, beer cans, bottles. Like, so you'd run hunkered down, getting pelted with all this stuff. And and that was my sort of first experience uh and played the game, and actually, now that I think of it, there must have been a group of Argonaut fans up in the cheap seats that would pick the most recent um, addition to the roster, and that would be their player of the that they would cheer for. So I could see you doing something like that, Dave, actually. <laughs> and that became me. So when I would run out the field for, you know, punt return or something like that, there was this group of fans, Burko, Burko, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, I just thought about that. And uh, I did okay, I guess, and sort of hung in there for the rest of that season. But uh, that was... Um, that was quite a turn of events, I guess, in yeah. my little world. Because, I mean, if I'd have been 10 steps, 20 steps further, probably would have been never had that experience. It was the last game of the year in Toronto. Uh, this is the 80 season that I was actually on the roster and playing. And, I mean, even then, like I had been there for a couple of months probably. Um, and just the way people came and went, like I didn't really feel like I belonged yet. You know, I was just another one of these Canadians that they plugged into a spot. And But then it was, you know, fast forward to the last game, um, John Priestner, does that name ring a yeah. bell? Yeah. Hamilton boy, he ended up in the, he was drafted in the NFL and ended up going down, coming back. He was like um, one of the most hated players, certainly by Toronto. And I kind of think he might've been one of those guys that even his teammates didn't like very much. I don't know. But um, I happened to... Uh, on a punt return, just one of those perfect moments in time where all things lined up and he was running down the field and I was kind of stalking him and he planted and cut hard to where the ball was. And I happened to time it right, came the other way and just delivered this. It wasn't like a devastating block. It it, it was more than that because it was more dramatic because his feet went flying up in the air. and I mean, he didn't get hurt or anything like that. But it was, of course, right on camera. And so the next morning we go in to uh, watch film. When they when the players saw this, this uh, hit, I was like the hero that, for that moment. Yeah, that was a great, that, that Reesner, you know, and all this stuff. And I then we went, to, we went to, I think it was called the James Tavern after practice and drank beer and and I never paid for a, a beer the whole night. I was like this hero who had KO'd Priestner who everybody hated. That was one of those sort of standout moments that I, I uh 
I would actually like to get, and I'm wondering if even if it's possible to get a copy of that game film and, and just see if it was, is how I remember it. So when it finished up the year, it had a, had a good year as a, a backup player playing on special teams. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, went back the following year, right through training camp again, played all the exhibition games, thought I was pretty much in, played by far the best game of my, my uh, life against the Ottawa Rough Riders in the last exhibition game, right before the the team was selected. Uh, Conridge Holloway was yeah. uh, was the quarterback. Legendary, <clears throat> fast, legendary, fast. slippery, terrible nightmare for a linebacker. Right, and we had the the job of containing him. So if you rolled your way, you had to contain him, and I contained him. Like he never got outside me at all. And I played the whole game. Like I never got substituted. And all these other guy, linebackers that were trying to, that we're, I was competing against, uh, they were all getting beat outside. And he's fast. And I, I managed to just pick an angle or whatever. And I kept him contained. And, and one particular play, and it's amazing how I can remember this stuff. And I can't remember where my keys or wallet are, but, <laughs> um, he, Rolled out to my side. I took an angle, cut him off. He stopped, spun all the way back, and and outran the pursuit going the back backside. And I, so from where I was, I took an angle basically to the goal line. This was around the 15 or 20-yard line. So I had cut him off on the play side, and then I knocked him out of bounds before he got to the goal line on the other side. Wow. And it was a, it was a good play, you know, no question about that. And I got lots of praise for that buddy of mine gene Thiessen, was living in toronto at the time and we went out and celebrated and he said oh you got it made man there's no way they can cut you now well next day i'm traded to montreal and my shoes went to hamilton because we were supposed to play in hamilton the next it wasn't the next day but the, <clears throat> literally i got sent to montreal and all my and my bag went to hamilton with the team so i get to montreal with no with nothing. <laughs> Just good enough to get traded. Just good enough to get traded <laughs> <laughs> at the time. So Montreal was loaded with all these NFL uh, guys. Vince Ferragamo. Oh, right. That's that He just came up. Uh, yeah. Uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Rogers had been there before, but he wasn't there anymore. The Ordinary uh, Superstar. That's right. The Ordinary. Yeah. That's right. Good call. Uh, there's a few more. Oh, Tom Cousineau. Right, the linebacker, yeah. like he like a freakishly um, looked like Tarzan. Like he, he he made people kind of quiver when he walked into the room. A bit of background: the 1981 Montreal Alouettes were loaded with overpriced NFL talent. That included the quarterback Vince Ferragamo, who famously was on Sports Illustrated's cover for being offered a huge contract by the Alouettes. And despite all that talent, they ended up with a 3-13 and record that year, and Vince Ferragamo was a bust, throwing 25 interceptions and being benched before the end of the season. And then I hung in there for a while again on, on their practice squad. And, uh, and so I guess when I finally did get cut after about a month, I think, of... Um, practicing with them and and again being a, a practice player so i'm in the little office waiting room waiting to i know i'm getting cut 
the, you know, bring your playbook, the classic line. So I'm sitting there with Dave Ridgway and Grover Covington. Wow. Who went on to become, I think he still is the leading, like all time sack leader in the, in the CFL or right. if not one of them. They were getting cut as well. They were getting cut as well. <laughs> and, uh, and literally both crying. Um, I, there was at different times or whatever they came and went at different times and Grover was saying, I can't go back home. There's no way I can go back home now. And he ended up where Hamilton, right? Yeah. Is where he played most of his career. And Ridgeway was the same thing. He was just decimated that he's getting cut. And then, of course, you know, that's how that story went. Because he yeah. became so famous around here oh, for yeah. winning kicks in the Great Cup. Um, but I go in, um, took my medicine. <laughs> Didn't cry, I don't think. And uh, they said, oh, um, by the way, we won't, you don't need to get a cab. Uh, Vince has got his car, he'll drive you to the airport. So Vince Fergamo drives me to the airport. He was going home to get his wife. Uh, I was just going home. But so <laughs> <laughs> punctuation mark on this, on this. Uh, storied career was getting driven to the airport by Vince Ferragamo wow. when I finally got cut. Yeah. That's a whole career in 15 minutes. Sort of speaks to the length and status of that career. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you were talking about, you know, going into Hamilton, into Iverwin and having to put your helmet on, I actually remember a helmet story from your career. So I was going to ask you whether that helmet fit you very well. Um, <laughs> well, I did, it, you know, Toronto did have a, a little better selection of helmet sizes, uh, than the Huskies did when I got there, I guess. At the time, uh, they didn't have a helmet big enough to fit me. They had to order me a special right. helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had to get a new helmet. Yeah. When I was with the Huskies and, and so when it arrived, it was white and everyone else had green helmets because right. they had to get it painted eventually. But so I go through all this training camp with this white helmet uh, <laughs> as if, you know, find another way to stand out, you know? Hey, it just means you're the good guy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And I remember I've talked to running backs at times. I remember uh, Gene Wall. He was a really good uh, running back, my vintage. Um, and he said, I used to hate that helmet. I'd see that helmet coming in. I'd just hate this helmet. Because <laughs> it meant, it meant you're going to get lit <laughs> up. Gonna get hit, just I like guess. Priestner. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Boy, does that take me back. Back in the day, like when I was growing up, like, you know, uh, the 70s, 80s. Oh, God. I yeah. knew every player. Yeah. We would go and watch training camp here. Yeah. And, and so yeah. all of those names and, and you know, you being yeah. in the CFL, like that was major. Uh, that was incredible. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, even if it was really a, a cup of coffee or two, but... Uh, I Of course, I cherish those memories. And I think about how close they were to just being yeah. done like yeah. with my backpack um and and i you know when i finally got cut that last time i i had had enough i mean i had sort of spent about three years trying to make a go of it and just falling short you know over and over again and i do think that uh that people that do especially in my situation where, where you know marginal player and there's probably 10 canadian linebackers that are all good enough to play and maybe only one that makes it but persistence 
had I kept on going back to training camps, is probably the situation would have come up where you know the right fit would have happened. But but uh, I also <clears throat> had a scholar a money scholarship bursary to start um, grad studies. So right. that's when I started the biomechanics stuff. That's right. That's, that's what I did my... That's where we ran into each other for the first, first time. time. Exactly. That would be another interesting story about how, uh, how there, was, uh, there was plagiarism or yes. cheating on a test in, in your class between yeah. me and another guy. And it wasn't yeah. me, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, that, that, was, that was another one. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, and it's funny how hundreds of stories that we've told each other over the, over the years that... Uh, you know, it's again different when you put a microphone in front yeah. of you and you say it. It's sort of like you know saying, "Okay, uh, be funny." You know, say something <laughs> funny. Well, <laughs> it's a little harder when it's uh, when it's structured, not spontaneous. Yeah. But uh, but you do tend to be a pretty good conversationalist, Dave. So well, it's easy to talk to and listen to. Yeah. Well, this has been this has been tremendous fun. It, it, uh, it it's been great to reminisce and. Yes. Uh, and I have a feeling that, you know, there may be a tale from another part of your life that uh, might bring you back at some point in the future. So we'll look forward to that if that if that works out. But Well, it's, I'm, I'd be very happy and uh, pleased to do this. It's fun. And so since you are a musician and since we already have the precedent of uh, having played one of your tunes as an outro, would you um, uh, suggest one of your tunes for an outro today? Ooh, um, I should have thought of that. Um, how about a little piece of my heart? Okay. That'll be the one. Texas Swing. Nice. Well, thanks so much. It's been fun. You're very welcome, Dave. It's awesome. a great pleasure. I played all night Till my fingers were aching I hope you were as captivated by Daryl's stories of his professional football career as I was and I hope you'll get in touch our storytellers always appreciate hearing your responses here's Daryl on the subject and I was wondering is there any story that I can tell uh, going to be interesting to anyone other than myself um, and uh, well we'll see we'll find out do get in touch via email at stories told by friends at gmail.com or we're on Twitter, or we have a landline with an answering machine, 306-665-3101. If you don't know what to say, ask a question, fact check, make a comment, volunteer to tell a story, share other parts of the story that you know that maybe we don't. Anyway, hope to hear from you. Deep inside your aching And did you ever play against Chuck Ely? No. He he beat the Riders. Wasn't he the quarterback that beat the Riders? Like before that infamous uh, Tony Gabriel game? Chuck Ely was with Hamilton. Yes. Right?